Hello, and welcome to The Trumpet, the official podcast of Elephant Room Productions. As always, I'm your host, Robert Jean Pileccio. May or may not remember me because uh, I haven't been here in a while. Uh, pandemic going on and all that. But I'm back, ready to go, ready to talk about some theater. Um, so ERP has some amazing things on deck this month. Um, we're going to bring on our marketing director, Julianne Schaub, in a little bit. Uh, but first things first, I would like to introduce our first ever, uh, our first playwright for our first ever virtual production. Uh, Alice, is it Hockbag? Yep, you got it. <laughs> Okie doke. Uh, Alice Hockbag. Hello, thank you so much for coming on today, Alice. Hello, thank you for having me. All right, so... We are going to be talking a little bit about Alice's play, um, As I Was, Not As I Am, which is going to be going up at the end of August. Um, obviously, in this strange and interesting time... I actually, I, I heard recently on Twitter I did something that I um, agreed with so much. It was, um, at the end of all this, we will officially have to retire the phrases... Um, We'll officially have to retire the phrases in these uh, uncertain times and now more than ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've been coming up a lot. I never want to hear them again. But, uh, eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, um, Alice, again, thank you for uh, coming on today. Um, I was wondering if uh, you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about your theater background um and what led you to well we'll get here in the end but the long road that probably led you to virtual theater sure 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 sure. um so i've been doing theater since i was a very little kid um my dad was involved in theater and film and so it was just kind of a natural thing that me and my sister fell into um i wrote my first play play it was like a series of short sketches um when i was uh 15 um because i was mad at the high school because they kept doing plays that didn't have hearts for me and my friends like they were it's not that they were small it's just that we looked at them and we were like mm, we're not gonna get cast in this we're all gonna be on top <laughs> and then like that would happen so um i was like you know what i'm a we'll just write our own. We'll just write our own. It's, how, how hard can it be? And that had the wonderful budget of $40. Um, I bought one costume and it turned out pretty okay. And then I kind of, I kind of drifted away from writing for a little bit. Um, I went, I don't to... know if you're a Futurama fan, but that it kind of has an air of the, uh, Bender storming out in the second episode going, fine, I'll make my own amusement park. Cut. <laughs> I'll make myself. Cut. Literally, it's the story of my life. Like I sit there and I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll do my own thing. Fine, fine. <laughs> um, but uh, I went to uh, Temple University um, for acting. I graduated with a concentration in acting and a minor in gender, sexuality, and women's studies. Um, and I didn't take a single playwriting class while I was there, even though I kind of wanted to. It just never worked out schedule-wise. Um, but I did take two short writing like short fiction writing classes through the English department one was to fulfill some kind of like gen ed and then another one actually was to fulfill my minor requirement and that's when I was like oh 
yeah, writing. I know how to do this. This is, this is fun. I, I know how to do this. This is something you can do. Um, and uh, during that last year, especially, um, uh, I was thinking a lot about like career and industry. And then the first year out of college, thinking about um, like what kind of parts were available to me. And I, I realized that um, there weren't many as uh, a non-ingenue, to put it politely, but to put it not not politely as an overweight dyke. Um, I'll say that again because that's a swear word. An overweight <laughs> butch. Um, and that, that uh, is that uh, is fine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. My I um, I'd say PG thirteen is probably my my uh, crux for yeah, yeah, unedited yeah, yeah. episodes. Exactly. And but what I noticed was I was getting called for things that were like incredibly like dance heavy and incredibly like athleticism heavy. Um I was called to the wolves like twice. I was called to all this like dance movement pieces and I was talking to a friend and I was like, What is giving these directors the impression that I can dance? Because I can't. I'm not a physical actor. If you look at me, you don't think that I am. And she raised the very good point that queer theater in and of itself tends to be movement based and very physical because why shouldn't it be we talk a lot about our bodies how we express our gender and our sexualities and all that stuff and a lot of that i never thought of it that way but now i'm like now i have like 10 shows off the top of my head that are are queer in nature yeah it's it's well it's uh a lot of queer theater that i've experienced tends to um one tends to not always be based in realism as a genre. Um, it tends to be very stylized. Tends to be even if uh, even if the setting and the uh, you know the movement isn't stylized. The yeah. uh, the actual like storytelling mechanics are you know I'm thinking of like Stop Kiss where yeah. every other scene is bouncing in time or uh, uh, I've ever heard of the play The Homosexuals. No, I haven't. <laughs> it is um, it's a it's a story about a a young guy and like six or seven of his you know he's gay and six or seven mm-hmm. of his friends and every like the whole play is in reverse order and oh, it's it's the fir- the last scene is him meeting all of them as like an 18 year old kid fresh off the bus uh, uh yeah. yeah it's a really interesting the kind of thing where it's like i wonder if i was rehearsing it would I take a rehearsal and be like, all right, folks, acting exercise. We're going to do the play in chronological order. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, weird stuff like that. And, like, I love that stuff, and it's great. But as of right now, you know, like, I'm I'm not a physically – I'm physically trained in an actor way, but, like, I can't walk on tight ropes. I actually have a balance issue. I shouldn't be standing on tall things. Um, so I was complaining to her. I was like, Hannah, just once, just once I would love like a fully realistic play. Like I'm talking like Ibsen or Chekhov or something. <laughs> like they all just sit in a house and they talk and that's all they do. And there's real food and the appliances work. And I don't have to do a single stupid dance thing the entire time because that's the kind of theater I'm really good at. But that kind of theater sometimes they'll cast someone like me if they're feeling brave and that's only happened like the most i would get cast in after that first year was shakespeare because people were like ah we've done it all before let's do something crazy let's 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 cast this person which is yeah i've i and i i'm actually i'm someone who 
is a I'm a huge lover of Shakespeare. I mm-hmm. love many, you know, Midsummer and Hamlet are two of my favorite plays. But I it definitely seems like the only way to do Shakespeare nowadays is yeah. uh, let's get kooky with it. Yeah, and well, sometimes well, let's just see what happens. Sometimes it works, and other times it the opposite of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah ex- exactly. I, and so I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm a. I was like, I would just like that play once, and Hannah was like, well, if I find it, I'll I'll send it to you. And I was like, maybe I'll just write it. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just do it myself. And <laughs> I've come full circle. I'm 15 years old again. I'm like, maybe I'll just write it. And so that was last August. I started writing it because for some reason I wanted something else to do while I was traveling between all the fringe shows I was working on, and right. um, then I finished it in like October and it's just it's been hanging out ever since it's been in a couple workshops I'm specifically talking about this guy uh, as I was right uh, but yeah well I think what's neat is uh I always start with the same question tell me a little about your you know your theater journey and sometimes it you know sometimes it takes a bit to get to the different hats other times I have playwrights where they've only ever been a playwright and that's it um mm-hmm. but uh uh, I love how quickly you, you know, jumped into the world of theater and just said, "I'm a theater person." Not necessarily. But now, do you, do you still perform? Or well, obviously I not. I do. Now, um, but um... I, on on my Twitter bio, it says actor, director, playwright in that order. Um, not because I act the most, but because that just sounded nice to me. Um, mm-hmm. I act and I direct and I playwright. Now, granted. We're in a pandemic right now, so I'm doing yeah. a lot more <laughs> of the playwriting. But, um, like, I like doing all three. It's just a matter of finding the work that I can do and the work right. that other people will hire me for alongside making my own stuff because I know that those uh, those two things aren't going to happen yeah. as much as if I looked different or behaved differently. Right. Um, and to your point about like just always having being a theater person, I I want to credit that to um, the community theater I grew up in. Um, it's it's a very small rural area, and um, everyone does everything because if you don't do it, it won't get done. Because why would it? Um, I didn't know what a stage manager was until I went to college. Because to me, the duties that a stage manager had, the director did, the actors did. And we all just were conscious. We were incredibly conscious people. Like we all came and built the sets, and we all came and we did costumes. Um, and guess so what? That... Sometimes that actually uh, translates to professional theater, depending on your budget. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it really helps. Like I'm sitting here and yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll, I can do that. Why wouldn't I? Because I want this to work. We're all on the same team. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that every, no matter what your emphasis is, I always think everybody should experience every level of theater um mm-hmm. even if it's a disaster you at least will have an understanding of um you know where that person is coming from i mean i've i've certainly um you know i i certainly have thought twice about asking stage managers to do certain things when i have had to be in their shoes um so before we go on specifically to um as i was not as i am uh have you just curious i i've never really touched on this with a playwright before but because you flex so easily between those different roles i'm wondering with your playwriting experience have you ever i know every playwright 
in some way puts themselves in their play but have you ever in terms of performance put yourself in a piece you had written like like you the actor are playing a character that you wrote oh like if i would if i could have choose you, yeah have you have you ever have you ever performed in something that you have written no but gosh darn would i like to <laughs> <laughs> I, I only ask because I I have a few playwrights who I've interviewed before um, who, you know, it, it's no se- it's no secret and it's no shame that they have written a character, you know, they, they, they've either written the character that they've never gotten, you know, no one else has given them that opportunity, so they put it, I mean, you know, like you just said, like, there are, there are so many characters that are right for, you know, certain actors, yeah. and sometimes they just don't get divvied out yeah no it's it's very fun when um i was first writing this piece there's four characters in it and i would send it to friends and after they told me what they thought i'd be like okay the most important question now which one do you think i am and i'd get a different answer every time and i was like yes (laughs) oh good it's not that obvious (laughs) that's good um so now that now that we've kind of naturally slid into this part of the conversation um why don't you uh tell me a little bit about or tell the listeners slash viewers depending on how we're consuming this podcast um a little bit about um the the play not you know i guess leave leave them with enough that they'll come watch it (laughs) but uh but yeah what what can but what can you tell us about um this piece sure 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 sure. um so it's about uh these four queer women who all live together in North Philadelphia. They all share an apartment. Um, they're all coming from different fields. Um, they're all about the same age in their mid twenties and um, they're all best friends. Um, some of them have romantic histories with each other. Some of them don't, some of them wish they did, but you know, they're, they're all, they're all very happy here in this apartment together. Um, and then Laurel um, starts getting sick not in like like a cold or flu way but she's just like you know the, my, my head kind of hurts and i don't like staring at the screen too long i don't like doing this very much anymore it's harder for me to do this um and um they her friends are are supportive and are like okay well you know we'll we'll figure it out take it easy we'll uh, everything will be fine i mean it sounds like you have a plan and then she keeps getting sicker and she keeps running into issues with her health insurance because first um, she needs to get off her parents plan and find a new one if that would cover what she needs to do to see someone who will actually tell her what's wrong Um, and her roommates see this and she's struggling and they're like okay insurance is not going to help her how do we get her to a doctor because she needs to get to a doctor but she can't afford it how do you get money quickly well, there's a, there's a lot of ways to do that, but one way, potentially, maybe, uh, you could commit some insurance fraud. And maybe if something caught on fire, perhaps, if they did that, maybe there'd be a payout. And it's kind of, um, and it goes on from there, but it's, it's, a, it's a dark comedy about deciding how far you would go to help someone who you knew needed help. 
That was my immediate next question is, are we looking at a drama or a dark comedy? And uh, um, I was, I'm very excited. Words on this. Julianne can have words on this because I always say with a delightful smile, uh, they're all comedies. Um, <laughs> uh, but I've also been told that that's not necessarily right. true. <laughs> By my, my dear friends who read a lot of my work, I, I'll say, oh, it's a rom-com. And they'll be like, this, this is horrible. No. <laughs> How dare well, you lull me to that false security? I was emotionally vulnerable. So is it, it sounds like uh, that type of uh, black comedy and humor is kind of your wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm very much a person who makes jokes when they're stressed, if I'm not always, like, making a joke or being like, well, we could try this, or, well, think of it, like, it could be worse. Like, so, uh, someone could be pregnant and dying, you know? Like, that kind of thing, and that very much yeah. translates into some perspective of this piece. I actually, um, I had a moment like that recently, um, where I, uh, I had... I don't remember what came up. Some stressful thing came up, um, and I told my therapist. Um, I was like, "Well, you know, I was I was starting to get that homework anxiety of, oh man, what am I going to talk about in therapy?" And fortunately, this thing happened, and <laughs> we, we 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 talked about it for a little bit, and then he um, he asked, "He's like, well, you know, the the, the sense of, you know." being worried about a session and not having something to talk about, you know, was it, and I was like, Oh no, that was a non sequitur. That was a, that was an icebreaker joke to just get me into the session. That has, we're, we're good. I, yeah, no, I, that's not actually an issue we need to talk about. No, no, we have several others, but not this. Um, so no, I'm kidding. I'm doing well. So, um, uh, what, what led to, uh, what led to the inspiration for this, uh, Sure. either this specific group of people or just the story in general yeah um so my last year of college i myself was dealing with a lot of head pain and um for a long time there wasn't an official diagnosis um it turns out that it's just migraines um it's and they're triggered by very specific things which is why my last year in school they were every single day um, weeks would go and I was just trying to get through pain or just trying to mediate it in some way. Um, and, uh, that was going on with me. And then another friend had like a mystery health thing going on. And then another friend of mine has always had chronic health issues and they kind of know what it is, but it's just always going to happen. And, um, we, we became, we became very tight over, um, the fact that we were always in we were always in pain or we were always sick and going to class was hard and so we were on our own little mini support group of like yeah our bodies are falling apart but here we are in class this sucks i wish um, it were a um i i wish it were a less accessible s story element yeah. to to say a doctor has told you yeah it's it's, just, it's like this sometimes sorry yeah. Thing, like 10 will leave a day i don't know jury's out <laughs> I had a doctor once tell me that um a symptom was one of life's little mysteries and i've never forgot that uh <laughs> but it's your it's your job it's it's literally your job to solve please, those mysteries sir please like, yeah <laughs> 
But, yeah, you're, um, you're essentially the Scooby gang. Yeah, please. Tell me what's wrong. <laughs> but um, we, we would have these conversations, and one that really stuck out to me, um, uh, one of them was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die before I turn 30. And we were like, why? And he goes, well, we work in theater. We don't get day jobs that give us health insurance right at the starting level. It's not like we're business people. So right. I need to get either a job in my field, um, like at a theater that's going to give me health insurance, or I need to give up on theater entirely, get a job that gives me health insurance, which I don't think I can do, or I yeah. need to find a part-time job that lets me do theater enough, but also pays me enough that I can pay for it out of pocket, and that's not going to happen. So he was like, I'm, I am, I'm, he, they were completely cool with it. And I was like, you shouldn't be, though. Like, how are you cool with this? And that was... Like, that's the conversation that I think really got me thinking I mean, we, we can have a whole separate conversation about the pros and cons of health insurance specifically being linked to employment, mm -hmm. but that, I think that requires a whole nother podcast and a whole nother yeah. evening of time. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I guess now is as uh, good a time as any to uh, bring Julianne into the conversation um they have uh let me see if i can find her um where where is she where is she there she is hey there's julianne i'm here <laughs> we found you um so for for those of you um who follow elephant room productions in any capacity on any social media you will know uh how committed julianne is to this company and telling our stories and uh putting us out there Oh, pish posh Daniel Tosh, as I like to say, um, because it rhymes. But, um, so, welcome Julianne. Um, Julianne, can you, um, can you speak a little bit about your involvement in this process and, or in this project and, uh, kind of what led us to this point? Yeah, so, it actually goes back to February, um, as you know, Robert, we do the ears reading series where playwrights send us their plays and we do recorded um, readings where we send them back feedback and the recording of us reading through it. And Alice submitted her piece um, after she worked with me at Fifth Vital Sign, um, the thing that we did ages, it seems 100 years ago up in New York. I'm pretty and... sure it was, it was 15 years ago. I think it was back uh -huh. in 2019. Yeah, this is <laughs> whenever, that, whenever that was. That was the before times. Um, but yeah, uh, Alice was like, I wrote a play and I think it's really good. And I'm like, you should send I did it. not say that. Well, <laughs> I, it is good. It's very good. Um, yeah, and so we got it. And because it's, we get so many submissions, it ended up being in February of 2020. We finally got to sit down and read it. And it just resonated with me so much because it was also during a time when I was also aging out of my parents' health insurance. I was also an actor and also I have pretty expensive medications that I have to pay, that I have to pay monthly. So it really also just got me thinking, it's just like, this is so unfair that people can get in this position only because they followed the occupation that they wanted. 
Like no one yeah. should have to choose between being able to have access to like the healthcare they need for their dream job, which right. is what basically happens in the show. Laurel is a freelance writer and she loves writing. She does like personal, she does like editorials for newsletters and newspapers and stuff like that. And then she doesn't, unfortunately she doesn't have access to healthcare through being a freelancer. Yeah. So it really was a moment where I was just like, this is a play that has gotten me thinking like right. everyone around the, the table there it's like we talked for 45 minutes just after this two hour long thing and we're just like we're fired up like this is a really good story to tell right now so once everything happened like with corona with the coronavirus and quarantine yeah. and all the theaters shutting down it just became something more the story is now unfortunately to quote it's like imperative right now now more than ever we need to talk about this especially with See, like well here's the thing there's a there's a difference between um there's a difference between a new work that is tackling a relevant issue and uh you know let's do Spoiling king lear but worse <laughs> like well, some... let's let's do king lear but it's actually a troop of actors doing a production of midsummer night's dream on a toilet like, because that hasn't the been done. The cape is just like billowing things of like toilet paper and stuff like that. Yo, real rap. I'm gonna maybe I should edit this part out because did we just like find an idea? Did we like? <laughs> do we do we make an idea? Can we make a theater? Um, I don't know. Will it will it pay my will it pay next month's rent? Because right now that's where my emotional energy's at. It'll pay you an exposure. Oh, okay, good. My rent is four exposures and two stipends. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, great. Where do, um, to, where do you want me to come back in for that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually not going to edit any of this, so this is just going to go th straight through. Oh, um, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that was too beautiful a joke to uh, to cut out. Um, so, no, I guess, so I guess my next question would just be... Um, you know, I guess I'll, I'll I'll put it to you, Alice. First, um, what can, what can you say about uh, the virtual aspect? Um, and then to Julianne, when you want to jump in, like what where did I mean? Other than the necessity of doing, you know, kind of the only avenue available at the moment is doing audienceless theater. But you know, what was it about this piece that you felt made it translate so well to a virtual setting and Alice, what did you specifically uh, have to do to this play in order to make it work in that format? Sure. Um, so this was written in the before times. It was fully done. Um, and then, uh, truthfully, I didn't change much at all. Um, I'm going to say anything to make it a digital thing. Um, I Obviously, when I was writing it, I was picturing it on a stage. Um, but... I'm I'm a big fan of like small intimate things like spaces conversations, um, which can and have lent themselves to um, like two people looking into a camera and talking to each other. Um, I am counting the days until I see a production of My Dinner with Andre uh, done via Zoom, Zoom because I know it's coming. Yeah, and I just have to accept that. And actually. <laughs> Oh, that's actually something but, it would work really well. 
you wouldn't. <laughs> That's what's unfortunate about it. Um, yeah. They, but like in, in in terms of like what the benefits have been, um, I I really um, pushed for diverse casting, and I make very strict rules in my character breakdowns. Um, and now there truly is no excuse if you can't yeah. find these actors because you've got the entire world to yeah. choose from. <laughs> um, like and 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 i think people theaters are starting to realize that because um mad cow theater down in florida is did a women's festival um that as i was as a part of um and they reached out to me and they were like hey we don't have the specific requirement that you have in your character breakdown for this one character and you send us some names because they assumed I would have some, and I said yes, I do. So I sent them like five, and these people are in New York. There, one person I sent was in Canada. Um, I almost sent someone I met in Tokyo. Like, there is no excuse. Yeah. I think it speaks to them very much that it does. you know the the e- the easier thing to do would have been um, all right. Let's what's the second best. You know what's what's the closest you know checkbox we can we can hit. So the fact that they actually you know the, the fact that they actually respected the text enough to say no the playwright has yeah. you know has specified this we need to clear this with her and we need yeah. to make this right. I think it's a, it's a great thing and I think we're seeing more of that. What was crazy was they still didn't quite hit everything, but I was like you right. know what the fact that you asked and the fact that yeah. this is a reading. And the fact that it's like a zoom. And they tried. Yeah, it, yeah. The stakes are lower, and I made sure that even if you don't quite hit the moon, mm-hmm. you're still hitting equity. Like, there's, yeah. it's still a 50% uh, actors of color cast um, with, a, uh, with a variety of different gender expressions. So I'm like, you know what? Sure. Okay, this, this is the bare minimum, and they hit it, and that's all I want. <laughs> Uh, so Julianne, what I mean, you you already spoke to, you know, what about the plot of this play and the the makeup of this play really spoke to you. Um, so looking at this new format and this you know digital theater virtual theater uh, challenge, what made this play in particular, uh, it just in terms of practicality, stand out to you as something that would work in this format? Uh, the funny thing is, there's absolutely no practical things. So if actually, if, uh, <laughs> you can look at this play and go, "This is a horrible thing. Why are you, why are you doing this virtually?" There are moments in the play that are essential that we just can't do over Zoom. But, and this is going into what drew me to this piece, and it's like I want to do it. But also, obviously, in the past few months, like all of us have seen, like the Zoom readings, the Zoom shows, the virtual shows, mm-hmm. and a lot of them. And just speaking me personally, I just felt burnt out because I'm like, I don't want to do another show where I'm just a box and stuff. Like I miss moving. I miss being able to like explore that. And especially when they're live, there's just so many things technically that you can't control. So I think that because maybe I just like making things a little harder on myself. I'm just like, okay, so what can we do that will mesh this into a production that is not only fun for the actors to do, but it's really fun to watch. And so like, it's not live theater. It's all going to be pre-recorded, but. Okay. That was my next question. Yeah. Um, When we're pre-recording it, it's going to be able to 
we're gonna be able to edit out like lags. We're gonna be able to do like another take. Um, and then also a big thing that comes up in this script and a lot of um, contemporary scripts is that there's a lot of overlapping dialogue, which in Zoom, it kind of freaks out a little bit and then Zoom decides where you're supposed to be looking. So with this, we can record that overlapping dialogue separately and then we can edit it back in so that it's a nice clean thing. And just all these little changes so that we, for the ultimate goal of like, how can we make this as close to a production as possible? And also how can we make the story as clear as possible? Um, so other things we've done, there are moments, like I said, there's moments in the show that can't be done with not being in the physically in the same room. Right. So what we've done is we've in, um, incorporated illustrations like there's a moment where two characters embrace and so we have a uh, graphic of these two of like two little pictures that look very much like the people in the cast they're hugging and then we have like the voiceover dialogue behind this picture so the audience still gets to see this thing happening without like feeling oh i wish they could have done that or like the state or the stage direction voice comes on and now the girls hug and it's a slow embrace and love yeah just yeah and then we can also add fun things like music um we've added um scene transitions which like you get to see okay. like the little apartment like this little picture of it and you get to see like how the place has changed over time and it's just been really fun just being like what can we do to just make this better right and also that includes um letting our actors actually move We've... Oh, okay. So, um, I know you'll you'll get this, Robert. Do you know the episode of Doctor Who when yes. Clara is... Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, of course you do. Clara is um, a Dalek, and she doesn't know. And oh, she's yeah. In, like, mm -hmm. She's in, like, this tiny little room, and she's talking to the Doctor through this little screen sort of thing. Yeah. In this weird sci-fi-y way, we're just like, okay, everyone has a room. They're free to move around in that room. And that actually frees up a lot of ways for us to be okay. like, this is the living room. And then back here, like they may have like another three feet back here where they can go to a bed, a chair, and just be in their own sort of space away from another conversation that's happening. So it's like- Interesting. It's been, yeah, so it's been really fun just like sort of switching that mindset of being just like, okay guys, yes, this is, we are acting to a camera, but I want you guys to be able to feel free to move around and make those acting choices that you would if you were in a show, like in person, live on stage. Just a little adjustment so that it's a little bit more interesting to watch than and funner to funner to do than just sitting the whole time. Still not editing. Still not editing. <laughs> Still not editing. You're fine. <laughs> um, well, you know, Alice, g going forward here, I mean, it's obviously it's my hope that um we you know we will be in a position in the beginning of 2021 where you know we are starting to take our steps back into live theater even if it's at a different capacity it you know it is my hope that we you know this is our passion and this is you know this is what we do but has this experience um in any way changed the way you write and could you potentially see more projects in the future that are not just adaptable, but maybe even written for this type of theater, like specifically? 
Yeah, um, you, you're seeing a lot of calls these days um, because uh, people are stuck at home, so people are desperate right. for content. And so uh, you see a lot of um, playwriting calls for plays written for Zoom. Um, I tend to shy away from that because I have a feeling that that's going to age very yeah. quickly. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe the really good Zoom plays won't ever age. And to go along with that, I do think the theaters might realize that there's a market here um, to put like a, a capitalist businessman hat on. Um, if you have your main stage season going on in person, you can charge $40 a ticket. You shouldn't, but you could, a mainstream theater could pay $40, charge $40 a ticket and then be like, oh yes, and then this is our online stage. Tickets are there's a, actually there is a theater in um because uh, because Delaware has slightly different restrictions right now in terms of uh, gathering so um I know Bootless Stage Works has had a very successful um I believe they've done one so far it was a it was a two person play that I that they had done before I believe it was one of those things where it was like let's put this thing that we have already rehearsed together. Um, they had a very limited and spaced out house, and then they they were charging like ten dollar virtual tickets for that. And I think you know I could, you know I definitely think you know at the beginning of the summer, um, summer spring whenever this all started, um, we actually did an episode of the Trumpet where we talked about streaming theater and pre recorded theater, and it was a you know it was a discussion that I wanted to have regardless because I I am of the mindset that. Um, I don't think that recorded theater or streaming theater should necessarily replace theater, but I also think that there are many instances where theater is not accessible to large pockets yeah. of people who could benefit from having it. I mean, and then everything that, shut down. Yeah. So it, it was <laughs> a good conversation with, like, to have. recordings, too. Yeah. Like, there's this uh, decades-long discussion of, like, oh, we shouldn't record broadway shows it's it's important to go see them in real life and i'm a i'm a very big proponent of you are art is not revolutionary if it can't be accessed by all and sure you might have the world's best musical on broadway but also a sliver of a percentage of the population is getting to see it i felt really weird going into theater school because i live a good five hours away from new york city um, I was not seeing shows. I saw shows that I did, um, because that was how I saw shows. Um, if I was lucky, once every two or three years, my dad could spring for a ticket to see a tour up in Rochester. And that was a whole day. We had to plan to drive up there and get food and then come back. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that this will finally change how theaters yeah. are, like, so grabby about things. Because there's millions of people who just can't go physically to see yeah. these things and i think it's more important that they can see them in a less perf like in maybe not the way it was intended and then are inspired to try rather than you have entire towns of people who are like what theater that's all highfalutin we're gonna cut it from our high schools because well i haven't seen any why should we have some here yeah, I mean, I it's a bad analogy, but I, I just like to think of it as, you know, NFL games on ABC don't 
take you know, like you don't see empty stadiums because whoa why would i go see a football game yeah. on you know in person i could watch it on the tv yeah. it's just it gives it a wider audience and it gives you know obviously you want to you want to go live to see something but if you can't it's a great way to bring more people into the conversation mm-hmm. um, also with copyright laws aside like people will still go in and do illegal bootlegs and stuff like that yeah, copyright schmoppy right <laughs> yeah and so it's just like so that people can have access mm-hmm. who may not be able to physically go and then a lot of times sometimes people will see it and then they'll be like i want to go see it yeah. so like if anything i think that it's incentive to be like i want to actually be there and see this in person yeah. but yeah it's just like why not if you're going to have a thing out there then why not it, it be through the theater and the people and the performers yeah. who did it so that they will get additional funding for the purchasing of that slightly less expensive like cut instead of like i'm just gonna go online and find one i mean Le- legally blonde is the only it, it has a guinness record it's the only musical in history to air in its entirety on television during its original run with the original cast um and it still ran for you know a few more years after that and it got it it got a reality show on casting the uh, the replacement lead. So, you know. Also, guilty pleasure. Love that show. Oh, no, I love that show, too. I just don't like it when they put reality TV show in there. Like, why don't we just... Why can't you just hold auditions, y'all? Like, just, just do the thing. Like, what, I, have- what I will say is... Uh, I, I, will give them, I will give them credit where credit is due. There were no user voted like or like viewer voted options in there there was um because Andrew, Andrew Lloyd Webber's company has done that too in the past they've basically shown the process and they've you know I think they did it for Wizard of Oz and they did it for Jesus Christ Superstar where they basically it was a little American idly but it was ultimately it was Andrew Lloyd Webber Cameron McIntosh and you know whoever was directing it we're making the decision we just got to kind of peek into the room whereas there was a greece broadway revival from a couple years ago that had a reality show where the viewers voted and the viewers do not pick the best candidates and that production did not succeed um how was it i enjoyed it but also i was like 13 14 so like my opinions were probably trash but that's fair i mean well my my opinion of greece in general has changed (laughs) since when i was a kid absolute trash um i liked i like the act the actor that they did pick for sandy eventually like like, she's good she's good but it's just like i haven't seen the dude in anything else recently yeah there's a woof i don't want to i want to speak i don't want to speak it feels disrespectful to speak ill of theater when it's not Peter going on dead. right now, <laughs> so um, the dead like ooh. <laughs> yeah, we're getting Brilliant. off. Where's the track? We've got um, so to to wind it back to the station. Um, uh, as I was, not as I am, opens. Uh, I believe this month. Yep, end August twenty eighth, and it runs until the thirtieth. And we have performances every night at seven p.m. Okay, and what platforms are these going to be available on? 
Um, it's going to be accessible through a link through to YouTube. It's going to be a private video. So all y'all have to do to get tickets is you have to show proof of a donation made to Theater Philadelphia's Emergency Relief Fund. You can send us a screenshot of your confirmation, you can send us a key receipt, um, and it can be any donation amount. I think the minimum amount of donation that you have to make is like $1. So yeah. no matter how big or small, you just send us proof that you've done it, and we'll send you the link the day of your show. Um, well, you know, as I said at the beginning of this call, um, I don't know if I said it while we were recording, but this is the first time in about three three or four years that um erp has been working on a production that i am not personally involved in the production element of so this is the first time that in a long time that i get to go into a show that we are producing completely blind and i could not be more excited about that um you know as much as i loved you know work i i love the joy that I got from working on Salamander and Suicide Stories and Fifth Vital Sign, but, you know, I, I just, you lose that little audience element of what's going to happen. Um, and I'm very excited to kind of get that back. And I'm very <laughs> excited that theater is happening in any capacity. Oh, yeah. The response from the community that we've gotten has just been, like, incredible. Like, I've never held, like mass auditions like this like i've hold like private ones and stuff because it's just like small projects and stuff that i sort of want to grab people that i'm like i know you and i know what you can do and i need to do this real quick but the fact that i'm like i have some time and i really want to branch out and i want to meet new people um it's been like i remember putting out the audition call and then just getting like 30 something emails like and submissions and it's just it's i know yeah alice it's been incredible yeah. it's been it, it, it seemed like it you know it seemed like this project really came together you know it, well time is meaningless now so that you know it's not saying much but i mean it really it really seems like the speed with which uh this train just bulleted down the tracks uh, has yeah. been incredible and impressive it's almost like there's no other theater shows going on right now or something stop that nope <laughs> um um well Julianne and Alice, thank you so, so much for chatting with me today. Um, and thank you for doing this. Thank you for bringing the arts, uh, you know, keeping the arts alive. Uh, anything else uh, before we wrap to uh, say about the show? Um, Alice, I hope you like it. I'm really excited for you to see. I love it. I'm so excited. I, I know all the actors in it. And, and I got to sit in on a rehearsal and I was doing happy dances in the corner um, I think that most of your notes was just like their names in all caps with hearts around it. Yeah. <laughs> it was I notes for me, like, hey, maybe, maybe <laughs> sentence, and then like underneath it, I'd just write, oh, they did such a good job. <laughs> no, they're so, so great. They're going to blow you away. Um, well, again, guys, thank you. Thank you so, so much for chatting with me today. There's the music. <laughs> um, so yes, As I Was, Not As I Am um, runs the end of this month. Um, I will put some ticket info and a description in the link, but or in the ticket link in the description. But until next time, I'm Robert Jean Pileccio, signing off. <laughs>